Are you taking a reactive or proactive approach to your taxes? Do you wait until the year is over and hope for the best? Is your business taking accurate tax deductions and receiving all the tax credits you deserve? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we will answer these questions and many more. So sharpen your pencil and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge. Well, I hope you're having a marvelous day as I'm saying welcome here to the Tax Answers Advisor. This is Marcelino Dodge. We're show number 43, making such an amazing journey here through the tax world and business world, getting a lot of great professionals here, helping you to see where you need to grow your businesses. We're going to talk a little bit more about today, but yet we never want to forget about the tax part of it because that's what's going to come back and bite you if you're not careful. And a lot of people I talk to can attest to that. And I've had that happen a lot in my business. And certainly we appreciate ones listening throughout the world, not just the United States, but throughout Europe and uh, Asia. It's great to have such a diverse audience. And keep in mind, if you are listening on this live, or even if you listen listen to it on demand later, multiple platforms, you can always listen to this program on, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and just so many others there. We really appreciate our our wide audience that we have and so many topics we come up with here and so much, of course, and we really want to help you tax wise and help you to grow your business. So you're always, always welcome to give us a call. It's 844-394-4287. That's given me a call directly uh, so that you can set up a mutual exploration session, which by the way, the first one is free. And so you can be able to discover if Cash Tracks Financial and Marcelino Dodge is, is good to help you either individually or on a business sense. And then, of course, you can email us even during the program, success at cashtracksfinancial.com. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about some sustaining your business growth and then building relationships, but yet watch out for the tax. All of that comes into it to help us discuss this today. We're going to have Valerie Cobb, uh, a longtime business associate that I met at a tax seminar many years back. So we've maintained contact. It's been great. She's been really busy over the last few years, being a director of sales and marketing in tax and accounting, a VP of business development in healthcare and critical compliance, uh, communication, uh, worked with clients. She's worked with one such as Citibank, Kaiser Permanente, uh, through chief sales offering coverings, doing sales and marketing. Recently also worked with a global heavy equipment manufacturing company that championed uh, teams to 600% sales increases and just did a fabulous uh, job there. She's also had a very diverse fashion construction, as we mentioned, heavy equipment rental, appraisals, coaching singers, which that was kind of a new one to me. I'd never dreamed that, but that's very nice to see. Uh, coaching and sales leadership, sales strategies, new divisions, just all kinds of beautiful experience. But what we're going to really hit on today is what Valerie is really up to as president of Lodestar URY, looking at companies' hidden revenue as a sales accelerator, focusing on small business owners that should not and don't want to manager their sales team, but at the same time, they want to grow their revenue 10 times. That's going to be interesting how that can happen. She wants businesses to grow the fastest way to assist people changing their lives for the better. Using one-on-one sessions is just one of the many ways that Valerie works with ones to set up proven, repeatable processes that win. Very data-informed, very data-driven. And 23% of small businesses, keep this in mind, don't survive because they don't have the right team. And we're going to talk about that as well as 19% of small businesses don't make it because they're out-competed. So then we're going to help to help you to do this today. And Valerie's here to figure all this out. And I just want to say, hey, here's a big welcome to you, Valerie. It's so great to have you today. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm not sure if that's my bio or somebody else's, but it sounds wonderful. <laughs> well, I hope it's yours. At it least that's mine. what you sent me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah. I do really appreciate you being on today because there's so much in small business areas that and just companies are hurting. They're looking for ways to get by. But, and I know you're helping a lot of businesses already, and we all want to help a little bit more and look at the tax part. So, over part, as you've gone through the years there, Valerie, you've mentioned, as you said, you've resurrected, turned around several small businesses. So, what are some of the reasons in that you find that some companies have either stalled or perhaps even lost market share with their companies? What's, what's your experience brought out in that? 
you know, it's, it's, it's usually the lack of a plan or poor planning. Really, honestly, it's uh, they they had a widget or something and someone got excited about it and that's great, but they don't have a plan to continue on. And a lot of times it's, it's kind of funny. I find a lot of dysfunction in the revenue team ranks and then the cross functional dysfunction when they're producing something as well with the production teams and then um, I think they lose focus on the customer experience because they kind of run around and they don't know exactly how to fix it. And then there's not really an innovation process. And when I talk about that, it's not part of their culture. So small businesses are usually under 500 employees, but most of them are um you know, just that small group that are up to 50 employees. And it's really hard and um, for them to manage all of those arenas. And because of that, um, usually have an owner, so to speak, that was the revenue guy, that also was the production guy, that's the visionary and everything else. They don't know how to translate that to different teams. They get pretty frustrated, um, then enters competition, of course. There's always competitor response because once you have a good thing, other people tend to take it and run. I mean, you, I, I believe in the airline industry, its roots is, are back. Actually, um, Great Britain had a great aircraft, but the next, the competitor took it and ran with it, and there was a little bit of obscurity that happened after that. So anyways, um, a lot of times they just, things get very complicated. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to, to even create financial statements or anything that says, well, I've got this five-year plan. How do we achieve it? And off we go. They just kind of react. You talked about reactionary at the beginning, you know, your taxes at the, <laughs> we all reacted at the end of the year instead of the plan. So anyways, that's a big part of it. So, mm -hmm. yes. And one of the points you mentioned here is that they'll get complacent mm -hmm. there. How does that the complacency come in on that? Well, you know, change is a funny thing. Most of us resist it. Right. Mm -hmm. So once we've got a good thing or we've got a good idea, we think it will gain momentum on its own instead of having to change to do critical things to make it keep keep the momentum going. Right. And so, I mean, we think of it, we have creatures, we get up and we have a cup of coffee, right? <laughs> and everybody runs around and goes, oh my gosh, I didn't have my coffee. And so I'm so this, that, or whatever. It, it, it's a habit type thing. And as we start to get complacent, we kind of get lulled into this, hey, we're okay. We'll do it tomorrow or whatever, because it's work. I mean, work is work, right? <laughs> you have mm -hmm. to keep it going. Yes. And so a lot of people think they have such a great thing and it'll just keep on its own. And unfortunately you either move forward with it or you die. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's huge statistics already on the death of small businesses within the first five years. We can get into that later, but mm -hmm. the reality is, um, that's one of the key reasons and competitor mm -hmm. response is always there and you should never underestimate it. You should always mm -hmm. be planning mm -hmm. that a, co a competitor will come in and take away your market share because mm -hmm. they are, right? <laughs> they are. They're working on it. Definitely. And so also another area you mentioned, which I, uh, which I often see is a, can be a challenge. I see it more from a different view, but I see it though, is that some businesses about the customer experience. Yeah. How does that, uh, where do we see that falling in here? Because, I mean, I, I see it with various businesses all the time. It seems like they just don't understand the customer experience or customer service for that matter. You know, I, I think after a while, people forget to ask the question. And remember, the visionary probably had a handle on that. But as soon as you start to move to teams, they don't capture that same vision. They don't have that same culture. Now, sometimes it is, it's a person, they get tired, and maybe you're just a one to three, you know, employee company. 
And that person just gets tired. First of all, they get tired and they get beaten down because customers can be demanding, right? We've all mm-hmm. dealt with, the, with that, especially on the revenue side, because you're, you're facing that customer and you get told no a lot and some of those things. So you start to get a hard skin, a thick skin. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think a lot of it is being able to set up an organization that can capture what the original visionary had in mind. Mm -hmm. And that's usually part of the success to begin with. And then ongoing setting up a process of constantly surveying and people are like, well, I want to send out a survey monkey or I want to send out, you know, but you've got to be able to get customers in a format where they're very comfortable giving you genuine feedback on how that Mm -hmm. is. And then you've got to roadmap that experience, right? You've got to create a Mm -hmm. journey of what that is once you've gotten Mm -hmm. all that feedback. And I traveled the globe just for new product development, just asking critical questions. What do you like? How do you like this? You know, and Mm -hmm. being over some service teams, a lot of times, they're afraid to ask the customer that question because they might get a, a, a response they didn't like. And it's like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That means you get to grow and we get to know what we need to do. And at least they were willing to talk to you about it. Right. And then take mm-hmm. your feedback and, and map that journey, you know, and you're not going to please all of the customers, but you will begin to have a following that then starts to blog about you, then starts to grow your own business for you anyway. So it's very important to not forget that the customer is the one that actually made you a success to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, uh, definitely. Definitely got to keep that in mind because we've all, we've all seen how some companies started off, service was great, everything was going wonderful, something changed or ownership changed or whatever, and all of a sudden the service just kind of went, gone or it's yeah. just not not at the level that it once was and so then those companies kind of start going hmm. they're not as successful so anyway so let's keep in mind customer service is important getting those questions answered even if you don't like what the answer is going to be so that's <laughs> and that's good for any size business frankly just you know that's how you can grow so then as we've identified many of these items here that are of concern then how then does valerie come in and fix the problems and turn these ones around. Then once all these are identified and we see these, all these issues. You know, the, and nobody loves this answer, but the answer depends. <laughs> Honestly, uh, you got to get at the root of where any dysfunction is happening. Right. So you've got to be able to take a good look under the hood And usually when I go into a new company and um, it did sound a bit like I had ADD um, (laughs) with all the companies I've been at, but I just, I, like I said, I love business because it changes lives faster than anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm just always curious. And so I think some of it, some of that curiosity has translated into asking good critical questions. So first off, I typically will go in and I will, discover and just be open-minded. I, I'm um, discover where the, the pitfalls are and work on two or three things that we can get the most traction the quickest. But we need to be able to discover, we need to be open, we need to be able to then create your actual plan that I talked about at the beginning. It's a plan of attack. It's your one, three, five year plan. And, you know, change people don't love it so you've got to be able to create that plan that's realistic that's genuine mm-hmm. and then that you're willing to follow right you're going to have to amend and change and i get that but usually once i'm in there then i find that there is a lot of limiting beliefs or self-loathing and head trash we call it head trash in the sales <laughs> world, right you get told no enough times and you start to go oh my gosh i don't want to talk to that customer again, or I don't want to go through this again, because you end up with a sense of PTSD or whatever, if I I can say, you know, that a little bit. But anyways, people have to believe they can succeed. So when you go in and you work on this discovery, 
you've got to take what they're doing well and you've got to say they're doing this well. Now let's add a little bit to it and and make sure they understand that this isn't an attack. When you're going in change management, it's not an attack. It's a, I've got a growth mindset, come along for the ride. And, you know, and if you don't, what happens is like when I talk about head trash, well, the competitor's mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. If I had the bandwidth of a larger Fortune 500 company, or if I um, did this or that, and then you also have to get rid of those excuses. Mm-hmm. So by getting rid of the self-loathing or limiting beliefs, you get rid of the excuses. There's a great book out there called Extreme Ownership. I love it. There's a lot of stuff around it that I, I'm not going to get into right now. And it's it's by a Navy SEAL. And um, and it, you know, and trying to own part of what that is, but um, mm-hmm. if if you and then once you've got them believing they can do this, and those first three things, because that's the other part is a lot of them try to bite up, bite off five hundred things. Because you're a mm-hmm. small company, you wear a lot of hats, you're trying to bite off everything, and so you've got to make sure that the plan is not an ego-driven plan, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You've got to make sure that they can actually take it from X to Y by when. Um, There's a great book called Four Disciplines of Execution out there. It's a Covey book. I think it's Sean Covey. Anyways, and they have to be willing to have that help, right? And I laughed. Mm -hmm. I, I told you about my book that I am writing. (laughs) I can't help you. I can't help you because if people can't set aside, they can't take the good part of what they do and then learn what they could be doing better, then I can't help them at all. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's, they have to want to do that. And we say wanna because um, they've got to wanna. (laughs) If they Mm -hmm. don't, some of those team members that don't, probably don't need to go along for the ride as well, which is also hard because when you go through change management, that also Mm -hmm. means that there are people in your culture that are not going to go along for the ride or they're not in the right seat and you, and you move them around, you know, and things like that. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big proponent of Brene Brown. Um, She talks about vulnerability, which is the moment right before courage So we have to exhibit that kind of behavior before we can uncover and move forward, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to say, start to be vulnerable. There's no dumb questions. That's real. (laughs) That, you know, because people get Mm -hmm. scared. If I ask the wrong question, boy, it might go on social media and it might be broadcast, you know, or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you ask, if you say, well, this is hard for me, then they might think they're weak, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) By saying that. But actually, um, actually, there's a way forward with it as long as we can tear down some of those self-limiting beliefs and move it back in the right direction. And they succeed, you know, and then there's a ton of one-on-one coaching because they're frightened, you know, Mm -hmm. and I know that sounds crazy, but you feel like you're taking Mm -hmm. what they felt their foundation was and now it's moving, you know, Mm -hmm. on it. So anyways, it's, it's, it's. One of the things that they have to learn to do, and then um, I think it was, is it Robert, the guy who writes Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert mm-hmm. Kiyosaki or something like that, you know, he has the guy, that, the author that asks him what he, you know, what he should do, and he says, go take a sales course, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I know that everybody's like, no, I don't take a sales course, but, you know, Every, you know, I cite Daniel Pink's book to sell as human or whatever. It's a great book, but he's talking about CEOs trying to change an employer's an employee's mind and mothers trying to change their two-year-old's mind. We're all selling. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be able to get that head trust out and sell the new ideas to our mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. and get them excited, get that visionary excited again about what could be. Yeah. So. And what's, what's good is uh, I see with Valerie with you is the fact that you come in as like a, a third party who has no bias. You, you, you learn about the company and you're learning about the company, but you, you're not used to what the company does. So you're, you're not into those old habits. 
yeah. that the company has. You, 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 you're, you're, and you don't want to learn those old habits. You want to learn what are they doing? Where are they stopping? Where can they improve? Because I, I see this from, well, my rose-colored glasses are off. I didn't put them <laughs> on in the first place going on in here so that I know that this is what you need to do. And then, of course, yes, the resistance to change, I can see that. That is very important as well as the fact that, as you mentioned, employees, and I've been going through some of this rigor, some of this uh, transition myself and just thinking and changing, just I got a little tax office here, but still, I've had to do some change in thinking myself over the last year and look at my own employees and who I have and say, is this employee the right fit for where I want to go? And little did I figure out a few months ago, the employee that I had wasn't the fit and it just, it, uh, they actually chose to let, leave on their own, which was ended up being a good thing after I thought about it because like I needed a certain type of employee uh, to help me reach where I'm going. And certainly whether you're a small two-person office like what I have, which wants to grow a little bit, you got to have the right person, which is, yeah. and the companies that you work with, you're talking about, it's the same difference. You got to be able to move people around. And if they don't fit well, or they don't want to change or adjust, then you need to need to move on. And then of course the tax part comes in there later on, but anyway, we see all the, how all that fits in. So then some of those areas that you mentioned, because sometimes people, the larger companies, uh, well, I should say the smaller companies sometimes make, and you said some of the reasons, some of the, the, some of the things that they'll say, well, if I only had this or the large company, or I had this or that or whatever, the larger company, I could do better. But when you really think about it, do the large companies have an advantage? Is that a valid reason? What's your, what's your take on that? Well, <laughs> obviously they, they, tend to look like they have a lot of funds to be able to hire all these in-house organizations, you know, roles and everything. Um, but I find that that is an excuse. And I know I'll probably get pummeled by that by saying that, but uh, you can control what you can control mm -hmm. in life, right? And uh, there's a lot of disadvantages to small, to larger companies. But when we talk about trying to grow, um, small companies obviously have what I call a lot of pivoting. Um, they can move faster than a big company that has a lot of organizational you know, charts and you got to talk to so-and-so and so-and-so. Um, but we live in a day and age of outsource, you know, <laughs> and I do it. And my company is a small company and I did it at my last company. In fact, I, I kind of have to share a little bit of a story with the fractional or outsource. Fractional just means a fraction of the business, you know, but, um, you know, just to survive, we were a hundred 100 plus employee company and I was over service sales, marketing, and when I say sales, domestic sales and international sales team. And, um, you know, there's a lot of on-site for that. And then I was also over new product development. And so that's a lot of, um, that's a lot of challenge for bandwidth, I, I call it, you know. And I was sitting in a Vistage meeting and I, I was trying to figure out how to do like these one-on-ones with um, the sales team because sales, they need that one-on-one -on -one weekly sit down. How are you doing? What's your pipeline? What's, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you're switching gears and you're dealing with new product. So you're out researching and doing all that. And then, you know, then your service team is having a customer who's not upset and you're, you're journey mapping and all of those wonderful things. And I was sitting in Vistage, just I'd been working like 60, 70 hour weeks, right? Mm. Trying to get this done. And this guy was talking about this outsource that I had never, I'd never even occurred to me to outsource, right? I mean, it was like, yeah, we all think about, well, you can have an outsource graphic designer and you can have an outsource, mm -hmm. um, uh, even a C people have heard of fractional C CFOs, chief financial officers, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And that kind of thing. But it hadn't occurred to me that I could outsource some of my sales management until that mm -hmm. moment. 
And what it did is took 15 hours off of my plate because they came in and they didn't have to be located. It, we did it virtually. I've been virtual for, gosh, since 2004-ish. So this whole COVID thing is new to a lot of people and moving them mm-hmm. into the virtual environment. But we literally just kind of worked on um, saying, okay, well, you manage my six hardest sales team members, um, the ones that I need really worked on hard. And he would do one-on-ones with them weekly and then do a group coaching session. And when we say one-on-ones, we're not talking about sales trainings because mm-hmm. sales training, there's programs everywhere, which is another outsource, right? Mm-hmm. But you're trying to change behaviors and behaviors mm-hmm. don't happen by just training a one and done, you know, the annual revenue meeting or whatever it is that you're doing. Right. And so it was just, it just like took a load off my plate. And so when I, when we go back to the original topic and it says, well, okay, you asked me, do biz, big businesses have it easier? Well, yeah, they have, they have people and roles that they can put into place, but I don't find it easier I think small companies just don't leverage what they can in the outsource arena. And that's kind of the birthplace of Lodestar, of course, but um, it's also just period. I don't care who you're, you're working with. There's economies of that power that happens from a professional that's been somewhere that's already done this. And you're, you're a smaller company. You cannot be everything. And no matter how much, you know, no, no matter how much ADD I have, right? <laughs> you cannot be everything. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you can have some of that and some of that at a point, yeah, you might bring it in-house, but there's just so many great outsources out there mm-hmm. just that will help them leverage. And I think one of the biggest hiccups is tripping over themselves, stepping over a dollar to pick up a dime, you know, that, mm-hmm. that wonderful saying. So what happens is you look at it and go, well, they're, you know, I, I'm looking at outsourcing some marketing and oh my gosh, they're $2,500 a month. But then I look at the revenue that they generate against it. And mm-hmm. I think, oh, wow, that actually, <laughs> I'm throwing away money because mm-hmm. I'm afraid of this $2,500 fee, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of us in small businesses do that. Our first aversion is to go, it's expensive and I ended up doing that with um, signing up an outsource for international. He was, mm-hmm. he was 125,000 a year. And you think, Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, that's an outsource. But we had spent several years banging our head up against the wall to, mm-hmm. to penetrate international and spent probably millions. And this guy can ramp up and what he wants 125,000 and 1% of revenue that he does great against mm-hmm. 20 million think about that you know and i always That's, think okay i want 20 million in revenue and this guy is costing me relatively little he's setting up the program mm-hmm. he exits after he set up the program and i'm i'm the better for it right mm-hmm. so you know you, you really got to take a step back and say what can you do versus mm-hmm what can't I do because it's a larger company, you know, can mm-hmm. do that, but I can't, you know, and, and be, be creative. Sorry. The sun yeah. is hitting me in the face. <laughs> yeah. It's getting around there. The sun keeps moving on us there, but yeah, but I really like your example. There is showing the, the cost or potential cost or in other words, you can put it, you made an investment of $125,000 a year yes. and you got a, uh, thousand percent well maybe not a thousand percent but you got a very high percentage rate of return on that hundred and twenty five thousand and one percent because going from what you had up to 20 million that's yeah that's that's like that's a such a small percentage of that 20 million that you're you're you that's an excellent example of how businesses can do that leverage there within it and it literally and it relates back to not just what you're talking about in business and sales it's can even go into the smaller businesses like that I work with and just trying to leverage using what I do as a tax professional, not just 
at tax time, but throughout the year to help them to, to leverage these things. And because one of the one of the big things going on in some of the areas I work with is is like being a virtual CFO for some companies. Yeah. By helping them with their accounting and stuff. And and what most businesses don't realize, they look at what like I may charge for something like that, but they don't realize that, you know, what you're paying me to do that is probably less than what you'd pay somebody in-house to do it. Plus, you don't have to pay the payroll taxes, at least yeah, in my case. That's true. <laughs> on that. So you're not only saving that amount, but you're saving the, all those payroll tax amounts as well and probably even getting more time to do what you want to do better and do what you do and make your money back. So and get more time to do that. And as you mentioned, it gave you 15 hours to go out and make more money with the more than makes up for whatever you were spending on that other gentleman to do that extra training for you. It, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So then why, why don't more people do, do, do outsourcing of various things? You think? I think that sometimes they don't realize that there is something like that out there. Right. Um, that's, that's a big one, but I also think, I just mentioned 125,000, right? And I, and I remember pitching this to my executive team and they almost all fell off their chair at first, right? And, <laughs> and so I think that there's not always a real accurate, there's that, that fear factor that hits, right? Versus mm-hmm. that, yes, man, you know, I love the movie with Greg Carey, Yes, Man, because it's like it's suspending no, it's, you don't, you don't immediately say no, right? And there's mm-hmm. a lot of sites for outsourcing. There's Upworks. There's a lot of things out there nowadays. There's fractional sites on LinkedIn. Um, there's just, you know, there's CEOs. We've been doing that for a long time. Interim CEOs are just, they're part-time, mm-hmm. you know, or just taking over for a little bit. Um, I mm-hmm. think that sometimes they just don't look at it they don't really discuss what the problem is, you know, and spend a lot of time on the problem, big Einstein fan. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of quotes on that and focusing only five minutes on the solution. But I think it boils down to two things. It's either I can do it myself and there's a little ego in there and I'm going to figure it out or they're excited about doing it themselves. Mm -hmm. They're wanting to learn that new thing, but they're putting their company at a disadvantage where they could be taught it on their way. Um, I don't think they properly look at calculating the return on investment. And Mm -hmm. even when we say 125,000, a lot of times they don't realize that there's different ways to pay for that. And Mm -hmm. so they kind of forget and they're like, I don't have 125 and they discount it out out the back. Now, most outsources, you're not going to just say, okay, it's 125,000, right? It's 10,000 a month, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? Or maybe it's 2% of revenue that the person achieves, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of the 125, there's negotiation involved in it. But I think it's just, it's not as apparent. And and when we look at even your industry, so as fractional CFO, you know, when you're doing an accurate plan, and let's talk about an accurate plan, you're forecasting. So you're trying, you're making an assumption of what's happening in the future, which scares people to begin with. Mm -hmm. But as you go through that, I know that there's 31 million-ish in the United States, small businesses out there, right? Mm -hmm. And 82% of them fail in the first two years, which really sucks. And that's, that's sad, you know, and there's many reasons we've talked about some of them. And I won't get into that, but think about it. Only 30% of them actually um, consult a tax professional. (laughs) (laughs) That is relatively insignificant. And one of the biggest things was, you know, lack of cash flow as -hmm. to why they they failed, right? And so if they had actually outsourced, they took this plan, they had you look at a five-year as a fractional CFO, right? And they had you look at this five-year and and use your knowledge on some of these tax laws and everything else, which um, as we've discussed in the past, Marcelino, I've lived in the Cayman Islands and I talked mm-hmm. about if I didn't know <laughs> and get help from tax law, I wouldn't, I would have been paying double tax. And 
now move that to global implications, right? You'd be double taxed. And then, um, you know, honestly, it boils down to stepping on a dollar and picking up a dime, right? You're, mm -hmm. you're thinking you're doing the best thing by saving, but you're actually, you're costing yourself quite a bit. And so it, it it's, it's a bunch of things. I wish there was more than one answer, um, you know, with it, but I know for me, it worked very well. Um, and I do know that for this last, uh, I invested in a business and had I not consulted a tax professional, I wouldn't have just saved the 70,000 and the carry backs and the carry forwards and everything else that, I mean, who doesn't want 70,000 to help them mm -hmm. with their company. So a lot of them just, honestly don't think about it. They just mm -hmm. don't realize they have options out there, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. And sadly, I mean, I just know that just from what I work with too. And I love this number that you, that you put in our little contact information about 70% of organizations spend less than 0.0015% revenue on tax professional to assist them with a plan. I, that may be a bit of an exaggeration. But it was an exaggeration, <laughs> but it's pretty close. It depends but, on your revenue and it depends on the bottom line and what yeah. what part was attributed to it. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of them will do, will, will, well, many of them will worry about like the regular payroll and all the normal accounting stuff, which there's a lot of great professionals that do that stuff, but sometimes they just don't don't look at the tax part or they don't have a real tax tax pro look at it because one thing, I, I mean, I give like myself, I give CPAs a lot of credit. They do a lot of great work, but some of them are not proficient with taxes. And that's just not what they do. Some of them yeah. just focus in a lot of other areas beside tax. And so that's where either getting an enrolled agent or a CPA to help you with, uh, focuses more on the tax area to help them, can definitely help them in these areas to, to look at all the various pieces and parts as far as United States tax is concerned. And then, as you mentioned earlier, is that if they're doing internationally, they need to find a tax pro for whatever country they're working with. Because once again, as you mentioned in the Cayman Islands example, let's not pay, be paying double tax here. And I'm sure there's tax pros. And you mentioned one that, that helps with some other countries that you've spoken to on occasion. So yeah, that's, a definite part of it that that people need to keep in mind and whether you're doing local, whether you're doing just national in the United States or internationally, the tax pro, whether it's U.S. tax pro or tax pro for the, for, for whatever nation that is, you got to have that to make those proper adjustments to be able to do that. And then of course, minimize your tax liability, which is why we're sitting here talking about this because it's important to minimize tax liability whenever you're talking to anybody or trying to do something business-wise. So now, Talking going into the tax side here a little bit more, you've started businesses, new lines of businesses. As I mentioned in the opening, you've, you've bounced around a lot and had a lot of great experiences there. But as you keep going here, what tax advice do you have for, for, for businesses as others listening to this is what, uh, what they need to be doing when it comes to just looking at their tax side of it? Because anyway, I see, I listen to a lot of different podcasts, a lot of them business-wise. And it's like the one thing that's always left out of those majority of those is the tax. Yeah. None of them ever talk about the tax. They talk about doing, doing, and they're doing great things. They're talking about great things and they probably don't talk about tax because they're not tax professionals, which is understandable, but sometimes it, it's not always mentioned or at least brought out. But, but from your standpoint, what, what do you feel that ones really need to be thinking about when it comes to taxes? Well, I think when it comes to taxes, like I've already said, I think that we need to focus on um, really making sure we get in and do that early on. Get with a tax professional. It's, it's, not, it's not that expensive, first of all. Um, we've discussed that. And I guess for me, one of the huge things, and once again, the sun is kind of just <laughs> killing me here. Um, so we'll just have a direct on with the sun hitting my face. So anyways, I, I guess, it's, it's really difficult when you're trying to fund a small business, if you haven't really looked into the tax implications of it, lending, those all kind of pull into play. Um, and honestly, they're just as much 
of the financial plan as anything else. Um, so I know where the fees go, right? So right now I'm a licensee of sales QB. Um, that doesn't, that's just for the sales management part of it. And um, I need to know where those fees go. I don't, I, I, I okay. So let's talk about the United States tax law, <laughs> right? <laughs> Even IRS agents don't always have the answer. Marcelina, you and I have both called in mm -hmm. back in my former day, even on like the EIC or whatever, right? And, mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily the small business, but we call in and they'll like, well, I've got to source the code. <laughs> I've got to look at the, I've got to look at all of mm -hmm. those things. And sometimes they have to research and, and have to come back to you, right? And they're supposed to be, you know, on the IRS side, they've got to know it and know that business. And I kind of always make the joke that it's a, a little bit biblical. You know, how many mm -hmm. of you guys know the Bible well enough backwards and forward to just answer that question, right? And for me, um, it was always, okay, also, when can I hire additional employees? What do I have to do with those employees? How do they get taxed? What what implications is happens to my bottom line with those employees, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's just so much guidance on that that can affect your bottom line that if you don't do it properly, you're going to run into an error, you know, mm -hmm. uh, at any moment. And it can be disastrous. And sometimes it's like, well, they can't even the small business can't even pay their tax, you know, mm -hmm. and they run out of payroll funds and everything else because they haven't really paid attention to that in their financials. So we talked about um, CPAs sometimes focused on other things. Well, yeah, you've got all the different financial statements that you're dealing with and you're, and a lot of them, you know, we deal with gap accounting, right? Mm -hmm. But then when it boils down to tax accounting, right? Mm -hmm. Where, where does it go? How does it work? How does that help me next year? What are the credits that I might be able to take that you might not hear? Because how many of us sit on the edge of our seats knowing, you know, watching mm -hmm. any of the posts from the IRS? I mean, most of us avoid mm -hmm. the IRS as much as possible, <laughs> humanly possible. I feel bad. Sorry, I said it. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. But we get a tax letter and we're like, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? Because mm -hmm. once again, it's like a needle in a haystack of biblical proportions, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just think that a tax professional can review your, your financial plans for the five years mm -hmm. and they can make um, good adjustments to it to say, yes, but if you do it this way, you'll be able to save here so that can help you with the next year you know mm -hmm. and and then it just it, it gets to a point that you can focus and be confident that you're meeting mm -hmm. whatever is needed in the country you're in and right mm -hmm. now we're in the united states right but whatever's needed in the country that you're in so that it's sustainable you can mm -hmm. keep growing and you're not having to worry about it because right. let's face it, there's only two things certain in life and that's death and taxes, right? Mm -hmm. And so no matter what happens, you're going to end up paying some taxes somewhere in some country. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like if you're cutting off part of, if you don't include taxes as part of your growth strategy, you're just, you're missing the boat a little bit there. Not a little bit. You're probably eventually sinking because you're going <laughs> to want to have taxes. Uh, yeah. And it, or you're it, just it, not taking it. You're not doing it the right way. You know? Yeah. So. You got to definitely include it there. And that's something that uh, you've encountered. And I know I've encountered the fact that so many people, when they do about their business, they'll go talk to the bank, they'll go talk to the attorney. And neither of those two will tell them, go, go talk to a tax person. At least not very often, they don't say it. <laughs> I have a good attorney that says, go talk to a tax person, because once again, you're back to the Bible, right? <laughs> yeah. got, they don't want to have to, unless they're into tax law completely, they don't mm -hmm. want to have to think about it. And you're going to end up 
paying probably even a fraction of it if you go to a tax professional anyways, right? So mm-hmm. um, the advice is typically sound. I'd be careful, obviously. There's a lot of, uh, we, um, you want to make sure that they're not just setting up shop, they are an enrolled agent or some kind of um, Mm-hmm. working on their continuing education all the time because that there is a few you and I encountered that where there was quite a few tax professionals out there that touted that and they they weren't um, and I know on the tax side when I was in that industry there was a lot of fixes that had to happen you know because because of that but yeah it, it needs to be incorporated into your strategy mm-hmm. period. Yeah which is one of the reasons why uh, I really appreciate this conversation today because that's a, a transition as a business I've been making as a tax professional because you've, you've seen the changes uh, happening and I've seen the changes happening for a long time where, and we mentioned it earlier about it's a do-it-yourself kind of world and people are taking an effort to try to apply that to their taxes. And unfortunately, some tax software companies are doing that as well. Yeah. Are, are actually working that way. And so I've myself in a lot of these areas that you mentioned there uh, am working to help businesses, not just during the tax season, but trying to work on helping them year round, develop these strategies, help them to understand that uh, if you do this now, this is going to help you in the next few years. Because one of my biggest uh, challenges that I have, one of the biggest things I always look at is, is everybody wants to write everything off some equipment off or whatever in the year they buy it. But yes, is that, yes. but the question comes up, is that the best thing to write off that equipment? Well, let's go back and take a look. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It just depends. And I always explain to them, you know, because this year, you, you don't need so much of a deduction this year. Let's not write off this equipment because it, you don't, you're looking good here up to this point, but then for next year, you may need more of a write-off. So you may need some, because you're still going to have that equipment for five, six years, whatever the period is. So you may need that little bit more write-off for the following year. So let's not write off all the equipment. Yeah, you made cash for it, but you still may need the deduction. So that's where having the tax person in mind is just thinking, I'm going to write everything off. Well, we don't know that. I mean, I tell people, I don't know if you're going to write it off. Yeah. Yeah, I need to look at your situation. I need to look and see what's going on. I don't know if that's what's best for you or not going forward. Yeah. So, well, and you're genuine, um, Marcelino, and that's one of the things that's very important, especially when you're outsourcing, because there is the whole buyer beware out there where there's a lot of promises going on from outsources that they just they don't deliver, and it's the same it's the same thing in Lodestar. I have to look at this situation, right? Mm-hmm. I can't say that it is your sales team. I can't say it's it's mm-hmm. one thing or the other till we've looked at the situation. And some are fearful that you're just trying to sell them something, right? Mm-hmm. And that is, I would probably, if you felt like you were being sold to, then that's probably your first spidey sense, right? The genuineness Mm -hmm. is gone. It says, no, something's up here. Mm -hmm. And you are, you know, if you're trying, if you really love what you're doing and you're trying to help people excel and move forward, then that discovery of what you're talking about, what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you should write this off. I mean, we got that all the time in heavy equipment because it's a half a million dollar piece of equipment for construction, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal. Do you write it off? You know, and a lot of them, a lot of the small businesses did it anyway, and they didn't even take delivery of it, right? Mm-hmm. By the end of the year. So you had people doing stuff like that because they just didn't understand and hmm. then you get in all sorts of tax problems and laws. Oh, Eventually, you get audited. Yeah, you know, that scares, that, that scares me because I, I had that uh, I had that uh, argument with a client. That was a few years ago. They were trying to write off something because they're the person who sold it to them says, "Well, yeah, you can write this off." And I'm like, "Do you have it? Is it in your business?" They said, "No." I'm like, "Well, you can't write it off because it's not in service. You don't have it just because you paid for it." You got to have it. So those are some of the things why you got to talk to a competent tax professional about not just do it. But anyway, Valerie, 
how does one reach you and Lodestar? Let's. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's an interesting thing. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, there's a Lodestar page there. And um, I am also on Facebook. There's a Lodestar page there. You can chat on Facebook. I connect with pretty much anyone in the globe on LinkedIn because I love to hear what their stories are, period. So send me a connection request. Um, make sure that you send a connection request with reasoning instead of just, you know, whatever. And you can also um, contact me at VC at Lodestar, L-O-D-E-S-T-A-R-U-R-Y.com. Lodestar is a guide. That's mm-hmm. the actual term or muse. And it is, I can tell the story behind it another time. <laughs> but um, that's a great way to get to me. Um, you can also reach me at 909-767-2330. Um, you can text that as well. Um, that's a great way. And I just would love to discover and grow with anybody who wants to have a conversation on that subject. Okay, great. Thank you, Valerie. Really appreciated all of your insights today. It's I always enjoy having special guests like you because I learn. I always learn something in these sessions. It always it always helps me to grow as a business myself and where I need to maybe make an adjustment, even as a tax person there. But again, we want to thank you and we thank everyone for being such good listeners today. And anything come up today you want to talk about or on any show that you've talked about, you can always email me. It's success, cashtracksfinancial.com. My phone number, 844-394-4287. Be happy to talk to you. Of course, you can also schedule your free mutual exploration session at uh, cashtracksfinancial.com. Again, it's so wonderful to have everyone listening today to the Tax Answers Advisor, and we'll look forward to speaking to you once again next week, every Thursday, 9 a.m. Pacific, and again, A warm thanks to all for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Thank you for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. We'll be back again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week.